everyone, and welcome to episode 32 of Big League Flicks, a sports movie podcast. I'm Jamie McKinnon, and as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Christian Webster and Jordan Reed. How are we doing tonight, boys? What's going on, fellas? Glad to be back. Baseball in full swing. Uh, it's getting a little bit warmer, hopefully, in the next couple weeks. So, yeah, exciting times ahead. Great to be here, guys. Uh, great to talk about this movie. Lots of different things we can talk about, that's for sure. And like you said, Webb, I said baseball has started back up. Another thing for us to watch on the tube. Yeah. And a uh, nice big win by the Jays yesterday, taking down the Yankees. The, that's right. The Empire Strikes Back or whatever. Uh, not bad taking uh, down Cole on, on opening day. I was... I was I wasn't too optimistic heading into the game, you know. But I know I'm I'm, I'm optimistic about the season. Jays are going to be pretty sick. They get the bats going, but yeah, good good start. I, I kind of suck though not having a game today. Like having the open up against the Yankees and then we have a day off after one day. I didn't like that at all. But they're back on the mound tomorrow and 105 start. Excited for that one. I'll be on the couch. I'm a lazy day. I'm just gonna let you guys know the Cardinals won too. Just uh, it's it's just what we do. We just win. Just Sorry, win, guys. Right? We just win. <laughs> All right. Well, this week, and uh, in, in honor of uh, opening week, we are doing another. Ba- we're doing a baseball movie uh, today. Viewers' doing, choice. What's that? Viewers' choice. View- That's right. We had our viewers' choice. We had, we put some votes together last week, and we had a neck and neck race between. Moneyball and Rad, and Moneyball literally won by one vote. <laughs> Edge there. I, I was I was laughing because Rad was ahead for quite a while, and I I could just picture Webb being like, "Are you kidding me? You're going to do this movie?" Yuri, Yuri Mama may have requested it a few times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a lot of a lot a lot of people were mad actually when Rad didn't win. They're like, "What the hell? I thought we were going to get Rad." I'm like, "Hey." People spoke. They wanted Moneyball, so that's what we're doing. In due time, we'll get some rad. Yeah. (laughs) Hell track is not closed yet. No, it's not. It'll 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 come. It'll it'll have its day. But uh, let's jump into the trailer here for Moneyball. There are rich teams and there are poor teams. Then there's fifty feet of crap, and then there's us. That's a dollar, man. What? Welcome to Oakland. I need more money. We're not New York. Find players with the money that we do have. I like Perez. Got an ugly girlfriend. Ugly girlfriend means no confidence. You guys are talking the same old nonsense. Like we're looking for Fabio. We got to think differently. Who's Fabio? Your goal shouldn't be to buy players. Your goal should be to buy wins. And in order to buy wins, you need to buy runs. Who are you? I'm Peter Brand. First job in baseball? It's my first job anywhere. We're going to shake things up. Why don't you walk me through the board? I believe there's a championship team that we could afford because everyone else undervalues them, like an island of misfit toys. We want you at first base. I've only ever played catcher. It's not that hard, Scott. Tell him, watch. It's incredibly hard. He can't throw. But what can he do? Do you want me to speak? When I point you again. He gets on base. We are card counters at the blackjack table. We're going to turn the odds on the casino. I'm heading in. Text me to play by play. Wait, what? I don't watch the games. Billy Bean has tried to reinvent a system that's been working for years. It was a nice theory, just not working out. 
How long is Billy Bean gonna last? He's proven himself right out of a job. In their minds, it's threatening the game, it's threatening the way that they do things. Hey, Daddy, do you think you'll lose your job? What? Where did you hear that? Well, I go on the internet sometimes. Don't go on the internet. Watch TV or talk to people. You're discounting what scouts have done for 150 years? What the hell am I doing? What is happening in Oakland? It defies everything we know about baseball. Just plain crazy! If we win with this team, we'll change the game. This better work. I'm just kidding. Oh, you guys know the routine, so every week before we jump into the movie, we're going to crack a, a nice cold beer and wet the lips. So without further ado, let's jump into our brew review. Ice cold beer! Ice cold beer, yeah? What are we drinking tonight, Webb? Well, boys, after being inspired by that Oakland, California weather, you know, the warm sunshine, some cool breezes coming off, uh, I, I thought we needed a, a warm pick-me-up kind of beer this week. And since we can't get out of the damn uh, province because of this lockdown again, uh, I figured we're going to go to the island par- paradise in beer form. Uh, we're going to head to Calypso Island with our friends from Perth Brewing Company to enjoy a pint of their uh, Calypso IPA. At 4.8%, this session IPA is lightweight and fruit-filled. It's perfect to enjoy on those lazy days of summer when you're watching your favorite baseball team or just hanging in the hammock watching the world go by. So go ahead and grab yourself a Calypso IPA. You're on island time now. For more information on this beer, as well as many of their other great beers, products, and services, be sure to check them out at perthbrewery.ca or give them a follow on all your favorite social media platforms. And it's always Big League Flicks reminds you to please enjoy responsibly and always ensure that you have a safe ride home. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. All right. Why don't you kick us off here, JR? What do you, what do you think of this good. beer? Mm. I may have started a little bit earlier on this one. <laughs> you know what? At 4.8%, that thing packs a good punch, and it packs a really good taste, and it's not too high in alcohol. I can see me having a few of these up on my trailer this summer, guys. And nearby Perth, we're not too far away near Athens, yeah. so... Uh, Fantastic. Uh, very nice. Kind of. A, I'm not going to lie to you. Normally, I don't care about the cans. I like the look of this can. Normally, I'm, not, cool. I, I'm okay with that. I just think the selling point, uh, very cool. And, yeah, for not being too high in alcohol, this tastes like a fantastic uh, afternoon cocktail to have during uh, the start of happy hour in the afternoons. That's what I think of that, boys. Yeah. It's it's a delicious beer. It's uh, Yeah, it's got a lot of flavor. So it's got the... 40, what is it, 42 IBUs, so it's got a lot of hop, hoppiness, a lot of pop there. Uh, nice tasting beer, and yeah, I, the can is pretty cool. It's a pretty sweet looking can. There's a lot going on in the can, for sure. They yeah. they tend to put quite a bit of graphic uh, detail into their cans, so uh, yeah. interesting time. I think the second beer we've done from them, right? We did Last Duel. Yes, it is. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That, was, uh, that was another good one. Yeah, I enjoy, I really enjoy this beer. It's very similar to uh, to the, a lot of uh, other IPAs that we've kind of talked about before and done. Uh, it's got a, a little bit more fruitier f- flavor to me than, say, something like a, a Detour, but it's uh, very similar in that kind of vein of that IPA. So 
definitely enjoyable. And uh, like all the other uh, fine micro brews that are going to get hit the next little uh, month here, be sure to uh, support your local guys and uh, do your best to uh, to reach out to them during this uh, next phase of this lockdown here in, in Ontario anyways. All, yeah. you, all you lucky people in the States getting your vaccines, good on you. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. When you can, too, if you're in, in Perth, Ontario, it's a really cool little brewery when you can get in there. They're fan, I, you know, we've been in there a couple of times on the way home from Ottawa. You take the, you know, the back way and home back to Kingston. And uh, they've been fantastic to deal with and talk to. Yeah. And they're, it's a great spot. Yeah, absolutely. So as we mentioned, we're doing Moneyball this week. Uh, it's directed by Bennett Miller, distributed in 2011 by Sony Pictures. Got a 7.6 rating on Internet Movie Database and a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. Had a budget of $50 million and grossed a whopping $110.2 million at the box office. Music by Michael Donna, starring Brad Pitt, Jonah Hill, and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Quick movie synopsis. Billy Bean is the general manager of the Oakland Athletics, a small market team in a game dominated by big market teams. Tired of losing to teams with 10 times the payroll, Bean decides to find a way to beat the system. With the help of Peter Brand, an economics graduate, Bean challenges convention as they try to form a competitive sports team using advanced statistical analysis. Let's jump into our character review, and let's start out with Billy Bean, played by Brad Pitt. Uh, Billy Bean. Uh, well, this, these characters are kind of interesting to talk about because they're fairly recent in our lives and we know them fairly well. It's one of those movies where we know these characters and they're very real people. First of all, Brad Pitt was fantastic in this role. Absolutely. I mean, he's good in all his roles pretty much, but this one, he did a bang on job just playing it because Billy Bean's a pretty interesting individual. And I mean, he's neurotic. He's driven. He's got some deep rooted anger, I think on being yeah. a, such a high pick and yeah. not working out. Essentially, you know there's something in there. And we talking to the scout. You know that that hit a chord with him. Um, all in on baseball, that's for sure. I do think with Billy Bean, love it, hate it, you call it what you like, the guy's approach changed essentially pro sports forever at this point. And yeah. we can say what we want about it. He has an issue. They read off the start, you know, the 114 million versus 38 million or whatever. They talk about the Yankees versus A's payroll. How is this happening? Well, he had to figure it out. And I think that scene where he sits down with the scouts and says, if you got to compete with the Yankees in here, you're going to get pounded by the Yankees out there. I think that approach in this situation, it was the right thing to do. Do I think that, you know, being has it taken it far? It has. But Billy Bean as a person, he's doing what he has to do in a small market. And if he doesn't approach it this way, his team might not even exist today if he didn't do it. There might not be an Oakland A's baseball team if he wasn't able to come at it by, I hate to say this cliche, but literally thinking outside the box. He had to come at that situation differently because, you know, when you lose back then, Giambi, Isringhausen, Damon, etc. That's what, Isringhausen, 40 saves, you know, Damon, 100 or more runs, Giambi, countless production steroided to the you know what and <laughs> with the reddest face in the world allegedly. that being said allegedly allegedly, allegedly. Jomby's hitting, <laughs> hitting 40 to 50 bombs and 125 RBI. like he has to figure out a plan so i have a lot of respect for what he did I, I i don't i think now it's gone too far but i think at the time he you know he was first to the post to create this trend yeah. and he did what he had to do and you know he hustled 
essentially <laughs> web. That's what I have on Billy Bean. I, I, I do like him for that. Yeah, so full disclosure, I've never actually read the book. I know, Jamer, you haven't, so I'm going to defer to you a lot on the, <clears throat> on that. Um, it's one of those books I always say I'm going to read, and I just never get around to it, to be quite honest. Yeah. Uh, in terms of, of Billy Bean, the, the person, like, JR, you said all those things you said are true. He's a maverick, right? Like, he, he, he went out of his way to kind of change uh, the way the system was working because he had to. He had no other choice. So, um, you know, there's, there's definitely a sense of pride there. Uh, in terms of Brad Pitt, I love the intensity that he brings because I imagine that's a little bit what it would be like in those circumstances, right? Like you're constantly under the gun. Um, and in terms of Billy being the actual person, I don't know what he's really like as a human being, but in terms of how they portray him in this movie, he's a bit of a prick and a bit of a bully. Uh, he also, you know, like I hate the decision that he makes to, to go after baseball and skip school. I'm never a big fan of that decision. Um, and he's got to be, but he's also got to be frustrated. I, I felt myself identifying a lot with, uh, with him and this whole notion of basically like having to do more with way less, um, and, you know, not to get too, you know, riled up and political here and be a whiny teacher, but it feels more and more like that's becoming the, the case with uh, our profession in, in, uh, in recent years anyways, and especially during COVID it's felt that way. Um, that we're asked to do way, way more with way, way less. Um, and so I found myself identifying with him a lot that way. But like I said, he was also a bit of a, a bit of a jackass and a bit of a bully. And But I think Brad Pitt, um, they, they cast it perfectly because I couldn't imagine anybody else but him now doing that role. He's around the right age. Um, yeah. that, you know, he's still in really good shape from what I've seen of Billy Bean in real life. He's a pretty athletic looking guy still. So I thought they did a really good job there, and I thought he did an awesome job, James. Yeah, I don't have a lot to add. I, I just love Brad Pitt, and what, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but in every Brad Pitt movie, you ever like I, you especially see it in the Ocean's Eleven. I think they even did it over. He's always eating. He's eating he's something all the time. He's eating yeah. something. Like in this one, he crushes that Twinkie in two bites. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like, yeah. Or he's eating uh, fries at the scout meeting and all that. Exactly. He's always got food, and he's like, you know, chomping away on the food, and like he's just—that's part of like his thing. And and the, I wonder uh, how bad his, I wonder how bad his neck hurts from doing the the behind the back uh, lat pull down. It's like the worst exercise ever. Yeah. Cool. So bad for for that for your neck. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's move <laughs> on to Peter Brand, played by Jonah Hill. Peter Brand, Jamer, is this Paul DiBattista? Is it or how do yeah. I, is it, that's how you pronounce it, right? Paul DiBattista. DiBattista. Uh, that's right. Okay, I was going through this. I'm like, I'm 99 sure this is Paul DiBattista. Yeah. Um, so yeah, again, Jonah Hill. I thought he was perfectly cast again. I, you know, I talk about this in regards when you study st study uh, stats. Sometimes that unbiased person coming into a situation can be perfect. That you sometimes you want somebody who knows nothing and can just straight up look at stats. And he was Billy Bean's vehicle to getting what he wanted. He needed somebody who basically said, "Okay, we need." He was his secret weapon. He recognized something, saw it, and jumped on it. You know, he saw the Mark Shapiro person, whoever it was in Cleveland at the time, using him but not using him to the full ability. And that comes back to me with Billy Bean hustling and said, "Wait a minute, I'm going to take you, and you're going to be my assistant." or my special assistant or whatever it was you were, assistant GM, I think it was. Assistant GM, yeah. Yeah, assistant to GM, sorry. And the, you know, bringing that unbiased person who 
is brilliant with numbers into a situation that's so and a sport that's so stat driven if you want it to be is perfect because he's not bringing anything into this it, case in point when he sits down and says okay i don't think to billy bean you should trade carlos pena but he says but how will hatterberg be better he'll go slightly and then that's taking nothing into it he's just looking up with straight stats so the algorithm does make sense if you get on base, you will score runs. And this is how many runs we're going to need to get 99 wins. Or, I think, yeah, 99. So I thought he was pretty cool. I think Jonah Hill was fine again. I thought he did a good job of it. Um, he Jonah Hill has a way of just kind of being funny without trying to be funny sometimes, too. Where you're like, you're so funny. And just so unathletic. So, like, in the scout meeting, when he's like, do you want me to talk? He's like, when I point at you, you I think that stuff's yeah, pretty cool. Jonah Hill and Pitt did a good job together on that. Yeah. Think, do what I point at you, do I talk? Yes. So get on base. I think that was neat. And remember the first time I saw it, um, I, you know, that was kind of one of those things where you're like, holy cow, you're right. I remember this guy, Chad Bradford and things like that. And sometimes I still use some Moneyball concepts when I teach stats just to students. I'm like, okay, you got to see, like, look at it from all different angles. Anyway, Web, I rambled on. Go ahead, bud. I got no, I don't have a whole lot. I mean, he's, to me, in the whole scheme of things, I think Billy Bean gets way too much credit <clears throat> for what he actually does. Right? But like his his biggest accomplishment is that he sees this guy uh, and plucks him, right? And so yeah. it's going to be said for that. And obviously, he's the one that ultimately ends up making all the calls and 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 um, trades and all that kind of stuff. So I mean, Billy Bean gets his credit. Don't get me wrong, but in terms of the actual. Um, game-changing philosophy. It comes back to all this guy, right? And his his take on the, the Bill James or whoever the character guy is, um, his take on that math. So, I mean, I love it. In terms of, of uh, Jonah Hill, Jonah Hill's got some pretty... This is when... I, I always say Jonah Hill's best movies are when he's fat Jonah Hill, right? Like yeah. when, in Wolf of Wall Street, when he's with Leo, he's fantastic. <laughs> this movie, he's fantastic, super bad. It's when he starts getting into shape, 22 Jump Street, all that... Not as much of a big fan there, but uh, these these movies when he's big, fat, lovable Jonah Hill, like good on you for getting in shape. Like more power to you. I want you to be healthy and everything. But in terms of his his acting, it's way better when he's fat Jonah Hill. Just that's my only. <laughs> yeah. The only the only thing I'll say about his character though, and that like I read the book before I watched the movie, and uh, and I and I knew when I was watching the movie that this is Paul. It's supposed to be Paul D. Podesta, but he didn't give permission to use his name and stuff like that. Um, but everybody else is ca cast really well, like the character wise. Um, but they, ch they kind of changed this character um, around quite a bit from what Paul D. Podesta was like in real life. Like he's not, Paul D. Podesta wasn't like tripping over his feet. Like he was pretty smooth and put together. He wasn't as much kind of like as a, a nervous, you know, intellectual, like, like uh, Peter Brand is in this movie, but I think for the purpose of the movie, it's more entertaining to have this Peter Brand character than to just have the person cast like Paul D. Podesta was. You wouldn't have had the same comic kind of relief there, and it wouldn't have been the same. It wouldn't have been as fun to watch and entertaining as it is the way that it did it. So I think they did a great job there. That's the only thing I'll just say is it's it's a little it's different than what it actually was, but. In a good way. You need that way. contrast with with Brad Pitt, right? Because he's yeah. so really being because he's so overly confident at times, and right, right. You need right. it. So ah, that's good. Um, let's jump on to Grady Fusen, played by Ken Medlock. 
So he was the head scout that always uh, butted heads. I thought he did fine. He, I had him written down as literally a cliche machine. <laughs> yeah, him and his whole scouting staff. Oh my god, that one scene where you're just like, when he's going, wow, like that literally was perfectly like. I don't even know if that was written in, but that you could tell that was just Brad Pitt being like, oh my god, wow. He's got an athletic body, good swing. <laughs> he's got an ugly girlfriend. It means no confidence. You're like, oh my god, <laughs> it's a great line in the movie, yeah. Jay. Like, it is a good line. I might have stole one there, but you're just like, I had him as he, he though does a really good job of playing the old guard. He's the old guard and he's a baseball man. You know, I have 29 years of baseball experience. Why don't you let us fix the scouts and all that? But I just had him as such a cliche machine. I was like, can you just stop talking? Just (laughs) get fired. Get fired and move to Milwaukee or some other crap team you want to go. Sorry, Milwaukee. I don't like the Brewers. Um, (laughs) Go wherever you want to go, but just get out of here. And then finally when he's like, and he, he tells him off. He's like, "Now I'll fire you." You're like, yeah. get fired. You don't want to be here. Hit the bricks. Ah, good job by him, though. Good role. Very important to play a foil to Billy. You need somebody questioning him somewhere at some yeah. point. Like you're nuts. You're gonna have the Carlos Pena piece. Like Carlos Pena was an out stud as a young player. Oh, so yeah. So I mean, anyway, that's what I had as him. I thought he was just a cliche machine the whole time, though. Yeah, he's, he's exactly what you said. The only thing I had written down was entitled fuck, and that's part of being an old guard for so long, right? Like, yeah. you just, when you hang around for so long, you're used to certain th- way, things a certain way, and when all of a sudden there's a, a paradigm shift there, then all of a sudden you're like, what the hell do I do? How do I fit in here? You're trying to make your voice heard. People obviously don't give two shits, and so you go out with a, a blaze of glory there when you're uh, on your way out. But, yeah. I didn't like. I didn't like, and I don't know how true it is, but I didn't like in the movie, anyways, when they showed him going out to the media, kind of after the fact, and kind of sandbagging the team after that. That that was dirty pool for me. I just didn't yeah. think it, it was cool. And that, that didn't actually really happen in real life either. That was something they threw in for some dramatic effect. But yeah, no, I thought Ken Medlock did a good time. It was it was a much needed character, like he said. Uh, let's move on to Art Howe, played by Philip Seymour Hoffman, the late Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, I can only imagine for Art how it makes me think now. Seymour Hoffman, great job again. He's, yeah. He was such a fantastic actor. I could only imagine being Art Howe having to manage in Moneyball oh. when it first started. Oh, God. Art Howe was a baseball man. He's a yeah. good manager. Um, <laughs> he knows the game. But to have this type of situation dropped on you, and, you know, he, he wasn't that young either. Like, you know, like Art Howe was, was a pretty established player. He was a Cardinal back in the day, believe it or not, but he uh, to have to do that would be really hard to do. And I can see why you'd be so crusty. You know what? And that bumping heads with the GM, I loved that. I loved watching that. I loved how they bumped heads and you had just Art Howe. I'm not doing that. No, I'm here to manage and I'm on a one-year contract. You saw that. Yeah, the lineup card's mine and that's a manager comment. And the GM and the manager, play this guy, play Hattie. No, I'm playing Pena. I can't blame Art Howe for playing pain. Like you can't blame him for the things that he's trying to do because yeah. he's doing what he sees as the best players. So I thought he was a really great character. I liked the man Art Howe as a manager. I think he was fantastic. Um, I think Seymour Hoffman did a great job. And I think that just that idea of being the crusty coach at points and getting sick of Billy Bean and all this and seeing uh, you know, Peter Brand character around you when you're like, I'm a major league manager. And that one-year contract piece, I think they did a good job talking about the importance of being on a one-year contract, Web. 
Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. The only thing I would have liked to see a little bit more, um, and that's not out of Philip Seymour Hoffman. I just don't know that is probably like I thought. I thought in some cases he was a little too passive aggressive um, with with some of the ways he went about it. Like, and I know you have to walk that fine line. Like, I just didn't think they did a really accurate job of portraying his like talking back, if you will, or his petulance towards Billy. Like, the dude is kind of basically like totally changed the way you're going to manage and everything else. And you're kind of passively, aggressively just like, eh, I'm just going to play who I'm going to play. I'm going to play. Like, I didn't like that he wasn't fired up enough about it. And then all of a sudden he starts like growing a, back, a, a set and talking back to him. And then it got to the point where I'm like, okay, this also is not believable that you would be talking back this much to your boss and not getting put in your place a little bit more than he actually did. And then for Billy to just like basically trade everybody away, it was also kind of like a big fuck you too. And, and I, I think that comes more from like, being not maybe wanting to have the the conflict in the same way and just being like now that now you have no other options like i don't know it just it was weird to me because i think mm-hmm. they both kind of needed each other yeah. yeah i mean uh i don't know i don't know if i have a lot to add on on that i think you guys covered a lot of it um but i i think it, there was a couple of things that art how mentions in it in the movie as well where he's like I just won 104 games for you, like, so uh, you know, yeah. and you know, as a GM, it's, it's going to be pretty hard to fire a, a manager that won you 104 games a season yeah. ago and brought brought like a low payroll team all the way to the edge, of or to the division series against the Yankees, and so um, I think I think they're you, both in a sorry, kind of a tough position, and I think we saw it, we've seen lots of those situations too, where GMs and uh, coaches butt heads like. Harry Sinden, I think, of mm-hmm. in the Bruins and yeah. and Don Cherry when when he was coaching there. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it's there's definitely that type of stuff that happens, and it it so is you guys, a position to be. You guys have a way better memory for this kind of crap. Did he was he back in the year after, or was he gone? I don't. He remember. went to the Mets. Oh, really? When did he go to the Mets, Jammer? I can't remember. We might have to look that up. He went to the Mets on a big ticket. Like, but I think going back to your point, Webb, about um, Art Howe, like almost being passive aggressive, I think if you look at it from the lens of they play 162 games. Yeah, that's yeah. I get fired up every game. So I don't the next know season if I can do this. He went to the Mets in 2003. So the next season, he, he managed two years for the Mets. Yeah. He went on a big ticket to the New York Mets because he was like a, the manager. Because I mean, he was yeah. like the money ball manager, right? Yeah. Right. And I mean, I would play for Art Howe in a heartbeat. I like the him. Mets. Uh, the Mets. That's where Paul De Podesta went as well. I believe he went to the mm-hmm. Mets after Oakland. So, and they they had a. I think Sandy Alderson is. He's a another forward thinking guy that they had there, at the time, and they had. I think they had. They kind of brought J.P. Ricciardi up through that. He's, he used to be, he was like a minor league player, and then um, he was a pretty sharp guy, and I think they all came up through that. Basically, it was the Billy Bean tree of, like, yeah, system and coaching and what have you. It kind of spread out. So, the Mets, like, I know, were tied in. I remember that. the JP at Ricciardi effect and then him coming to the Jays. Like, I remember that, but, yeah, I'm just curious. Sun- sunglasses and bubble gum. That was JP Ricciardi. Just yeah. sunglasses and bubble gum. Remember the, not what you chew, the big sunglasses, chewing gum. All day. Guy wore one liner. Not a huge Gibby guy, from what I remember. No. no Are there any other uh, any other notable characters you guys want to talk about? Yeah, I had 
I had actually, if, I'm going to make two quick ones. Uh, I love Ron Washington. I yeah. think he's an amazing baseball coach. I love Wash. I would yeah. love to have played for that guy. Everything he did and everything he does, the intensity he did, I know it seems like a lot, but it's genuine. That man can coach. Yes. That man can really coach baseball. I love, and I he's a scene. good man. I love the scenery. It's like, Scott, it's not that hard. Tell him, Wash. It's incredibly hard. (laughs) And I mean, to watch that guy, the way he worked with Josh Hamilton later, you know, like their relationship was amazing. And you know, Wash is like such a respected man in MLB and he's awesome. And the other one, Jamer, Scott, uh, Scott Harrington or Scott, what's his name? Um, Hatterberg. Scott Hatterberg. Sorry. Scott Hatterberg. Um, I think he was okay looking guy. Um, I think the Scott Hatterberg character was pretty cool. And I wanted to, one thing I wanted to talk about, like, just the way that approach, because I remember him as a Red Sox, and yeah, he was coached as a Red Sox. So I thought it was pretty cool. And the comeback of him, and I remember him vividly playing for the A's, and I remember him playing first base, and I remember Pena leaving, and you're like, holy cow, this guy did it. So I had a bit of a flashback on that guy, Webb. Yeah, for sure. I had, uh, I'm going off the, off the board completely. I'm going with Allen, the uh, new... Uh, whatever husband partner of things are peaceful here uh, with his whole Zen and everything else. It was so fucking pure. It was so pure California though. Like, <laughs> like he had his kombucha drink and the whole works. Like fuck off. No time for a guy like him. He no. was <laughs> such a leader. So great. Yeah, and you can tell Billy's just like sitting there, like having to be civil, but wanting to just like be like, oh, screw this guy. Um, <laughs> I I wanted to give a shout out to uh, Reed Diamond, who played Mark Shapiro. He did a good job. I uh, had that. It's pretty I long. got that in the realism piece. He looks spot on, too. He does. 100% it's him. Yeah. And then uh, uh, also the guy, Stephen Bishop, who played David Justice. So uh, Stephen Bishop was a former. He played in the minor leagues in Atlanta's system, and apparently he came he came into the system after David Justice had was already in the majors or had moved on or something. And they used to call him because he looked so much like Dave Justice. They used to call him uh, Mini Justice or something like that, or Little Justice. So it's oh, funny yeah. that he ended up playing him in a movie years later, right? It's pretty cool. What a swing! So, James, sorry, did you say the guy's name that played Shapiro is Reed Diamond? Yeah. Is he any relation to the late great Dustin Diamond? I don't know. I'm not sure at all. I think he's related to Diamond Dallas, Dallas Page. No. Oh, <laughs> he's doing yoga. He's doing some DDP yoga now in Atlanta. That's right. All in Atlanta. Yeah. No, no All Star game in hot Atlanta. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, let's move on to quotes. What are some of the quotes that stood out for you guys? Uh, the one quote I had that kind of like resonates with me is still, I already mentioned one time at the very start, and it was actually just one of those written captions, the 114 million versus 38 million. I think that's one of those ones that always take into account when you see like how far this team, like the team previously lost the Yanks actually went. I thought that was pretty crazy. I mean, if you do the math to us, like 38 million, oh, the guy's only making $240,000. Like that's still, that's a a huge chunk of change, but in that world it's nothing um bill uh sorry uh i thought the movie did a really good job of this and i thought this was a great quote it was when billy was at home and damon was jumping chip billy this is scott 
and that Scott Boris, right? You know, that's Scott Boris. I mean, yeah, you know, that's Johnny sure. Damon and for decimal two, five more, he's, you know, he's going to the Red Sox and he's like, you screwed me again, Scott. I thought they did a pretty good, like, jab at Scott Morris, essentially. Yeah. They're flipping the bird, basically. And Brad Pitt, you could, did a really good job of selling that. I thought that was a pretty cool one. Um, any of the outs, those guys, the guy with the hearing aid where he said uh, he answers to ownership and God. I thought yeah. that was a great quote. And Web, that's what I'm going to chime in on. I was going to say, the first two you already covered, JR. I had the ugly girlfriend being so confident. <laughs> uh, if we try to play like the Yankees in here, we'll lose to the Yankees out there. Um, it's just like the it underpins the whole philosophy, right? Like, it's such a good line for this movie. Uh, what else I have? Pack your bags, Pete. I just bought you from the Cleveland Indians. I like that one. Yeah, one, one of the quotes that I liked was... Uh... When he bring when Billy Bean brings up Scott Hatterberg and then the one scout's like who and then he's like exactly he he's already sounds like an Oakland A <laughs> yeah <laughs> one of our guys right one of, yeah. um and the other one I liked was uh and I think it was a Napoleon Bonaparte quote which is uh, when your enemies making mistakes don't interrupt them that's mm-hmm. that's a pretty classic quote I like that one. Um, and then when he had that whole scene where he's talking to Peter Brand about, would you have drafted me in the first round? And then, uh, and then he like calls him like Peter Brand's kind of tiptoeing around it, and he's like, he calls him and he's like, cut the crap, Pete. And then he's like, I would have picked you in the ninth round, no signing bonus. Then that would have convinced you to take that scholarship. <laughs> so he's like, pack your bags, Pete. I just bought you for the Cleveland Indians. Yeah, that's so, awesome. What about uh, when uh, Grady calls uh, Peter Brand Google Boy? He calls him oh, Google yeah, Boy. Google That's boy. pretty funny. You and Google Boy one. over there. That's a that was a great one. Yeah, the other one I uh, like too is when uh, Billy says to David Justice or David Justice goes, "Well, you're paying me seven million bucks a year, so yeah, maybe I am a little special." And he's like, "No, man, I'm not paying you seven. The Yankees are paying half. That's what the New York Yankees think of you." They're paying you three and a half millions to play against them. <laughs> I thought that was like really? a put you in your place moment. Absolutely, it was. Uh, let's jump into some little known facts. So, as I mentioned, or, or uh, as, as most people know, um, the movie was based on the book Moneyball The Art of Winning an Unfair Game by award winning author Michael Lewis. Lewis also authored The Blind Side and The Big Short, which were also made into award winning movies. Uh, Grady Fusen was uh, portrayed in Moneyball by Ken Med- Medlock. In the movie, Oakland Athletics uh, general manager Billy Bean fires Fusen, uh, though in reality, Fusen appreciated Bean's approach and left for Texas voluntarily. According to him, he really enjoyed the movie, but the only thing he didn't like was the fact that he had dropped the F-bomb to his boss and said, I don't think I can take my grandson to see it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So, so since there were, was no money to shoot in all of the stadiums the Oakland A's visited, Dodger Stadium was dressed up as eight different ballparks. That's crazy. Oh wow, cool. I didn't, I didn't catch that at all when I was watching it. Nope. Pretty interesting. I wasn't looking at it that closely. I don't think. But yeah, no. that's great. Billy <clears throat> uh, portrayed as being a lonely divorcee. However, in real life, he had, he had been remarried at that point. So Bennett Miller, the director, told a screening audience that the A's uh, assistant uh, GM, Paul DePodesta, did not wish to have his name used in the movie, but he was actually very generously helpful in, in the making of the movie. So I, I guess he consulted with them quite a bit, but didn't want... It's kind of funny that he didn't want his name in there, because it's not like he was 
portrayed in a, in a bad light, I didn't think. No. No. So the Oakland A's set a new American League record for consecutive wins that year in 2002 with 20. The all-time Major League record is 26, set by the New York Giants in 1916, including one tie. Without ties, the record belongs to the 2017 Cleveland Indians, which had 22 straight wins. I remember that team. They were sick. They were stacked. They were really good. Remember that Mariners team that was really good a few years? Like, was that early 2000s they were really good or late 90s? Oh, yeah, like like 2001 or something, maybe? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember they had like 100 and like, I don't know, whatever whatever it was, like 15 wins or something crazy or 117 wins or something silly. Mm. I think that was... uh, I yeah. think that might have been Ichiro's like rookie year. Yeah, like yeah, I remember Ichiro being huge. Yeah. So the film's original director, Steven Soderbergh, intended to have all the baseball players portray themselves. When Columbia Pictures dropped the film, the script was later rewritten and picked up by new director Bennett Miller, who decided to hire actors to play the players. That would have been kind of interesting to see some of those guys play themselves. I think it would have been really neat. Yeah, it's not like the other than maybe like the guy that played Dave Justice and, and obviously Chris Pratt playing Scott Hatterberg, there wasn't a lot of acting that had to be done. No. Um, so I think they probably could have pulled it off. So Bill James, noted as a statistical influence for the main character's analysis, is regarded by many to be the father of sabermetrics, the study of advanced baseball statistics, uh, which is named by the Society for American Baseball Research, uh, an organization for which James and other sabermetricians pioneered. So I have uh, a couple of Bill James's books, the Baseball Abstract. They're pretty mm-hmm. cool, actually. They're, they're, they're fun books to read because he, he kind of writes all these different little, uh, they're almost like con- uh, stream of conscious type things, or he'll literally just have like a paragraph on one player in like 1986, and he'll make fun of something about him and, I don't know. It's pretty. It's fun reading. It's like lighthearted reading, and but he does go into a lot of his methodology behind behind kind of the Moneyball stuff, the sabermetric stuff. So I he's thought a the movie. Guy. I thought. Sorry, Jamer. I thought the oh. movie did a good job in the scout meeting of kind of tipping Bill James a little bit of an homage when they said, "This yeah. is Bill James." Stuff. I think one of those old scouts said, "This is old Bill James stuff," and in a way, it was yeah. kind of neat way the movie to kind of just add him in to the to the mix kind of thing. Yeah, it was kind of he neat to, a, to hear that. Yeah, because he's the grandfather of all of this stuff, and and it was funny because like baseball, they they talk about it later when when uh, Billy has his meeting with uh, John Henry uh, when he's at uh, Fenway Park, but like Bill James, like he's he was ahead of the curve on this. But people yeah. hated him. Like the baseball world hated him. So literally, like, it, like he didn't get a job in baseball till much later. Um, and now he's been, you know, he's been paid a lot of money by some big organizations to be part of their thing. Mm-hmm. I follow him on Twitter, though. He's 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 a pretty funny guy. He's he's got some good stuff. I think uh, you would kind of have to be if you're that really, if you're that insightful and that brilliant. Like they usually have some kind of sense of humor, right? Yeah, for sure. So this is the first baseball movie to be nominated for Best Picture for Academy Awards since Field of Dreams in 1989. Art Howe was not happy with his portrayal in the movie. <laughs> you can kind of see that they didn't they didn't make him look too good in this movie. Like I I, yes. I think if I remember correctly from the book, he wasn't as combative with um, Billy Bean in real life. I think that they kind of amped that up more for the for the movie. 
They have to. Uh, yeah. Well, you sure. also have Philip Seymour Hoffman playing him, and the guy is such a good actor, right? Like, yeah. he can mm-hmm. come across being a prick without actually being a prick, like, if that makes any sense. Yeah, for sure. He, he was totally just does. so good, right? So, yeah, he was great. So, the movie doesn't mention that the A's had three stud pitchers with 15 plus wins in Mark Mulder, Tim Hudson, and Barry Zito. Uh, and two hitters oh, with over 30 home runs and 100 RBIs with Eric Chavez and Miguel Tejada. And Tejada actually won the MVP that year, the AL MVP. So I, I thought they did kind of over... Like, when you look back at these organiza- like this organization or this team, yeah, I mean, Billy Bean had to do a lot with a low payroll. But I, for to me, I always felt like with this team and well, the 2001 and the 2002 team, um, yeah, they had a little payroll, but they also had players that were on their entry deals, so their their costs were already down anyway, but they just had everybody hit at the same time, you know what I mean? Like, everybody came together at the t- same time. They had those three stud pitchers, all young. They had all the, they had Tejada, Chavez, all those guys in their prime, or not in their prime, sorry, being young and coming into their prime while they were still on their entry deals. So it, it was just like kind of like a perfect storm of all these guys being in that situation at the same time. Because really, you know, that that would have been a much higher payroll team if those guys were a bit older. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they wouldn't have been there. No. no. <laughs> sure. So in Michael Lewis's book, Billy Bean gets mad at Miguel Tejada for his high strikeout rate, and the Dominican tells him, you can't walk your way off the island. <laughs> Remember that book? It was Almost all of the scouts depicted in the film were actual MLB scouts. They kicked around ideas for scripting these scenes, and then they finally just said, "Why don't we just Why don't we just go get some actual scouts, and then we'll know what they, the type of conversations they had." And that goes to show you, Jr., what you mentioned earlier, all the cliches flying around in there. Like that—that's what it was like with those. That's what scout meetings are like, right? Like the, that's the the terminology. And I know you've been around the game. Uh, a long time. Um, that's the stuff you hear when you're, you know, in a room with scouts like that and coaches oh, yeah. and players and stuff. So, yeah, that, that was a pretty smart idea. So, several of the actors playing ball players have baseball experience. So, Casey Bond spent time in the Giants organization. Stephen Bishop played three years during the '90s uh, uh, in um, in the sorry, Atlanta Braves organization. He was the guy that played Dave Justice. And I don't know if you guys picked this up, but Royce Clayton was in the movie too. He played, uh, he played Tejada, Tejada, actually. Yeah. Mm. I, you could see him in some of the baseball scenes in the field. When I remember like he, he, he turns a couple double plays and I'm like, yeah, that's Royce Clayton. You can, yeah. you can a great tell. glove. Yeah. He was really good. Great. He was a Cardinal too, wasn't he JR? Yeah. He was the Cardinal after Ozzy Smith. He came right. and played shortstop after Ozzy. Yeah, I remember his rookie card because he, he was a huge prospect coming. I remember I had his rookie mm-hmm. card, and it was supposed to be – he had a good well, career. Those, shoes, are, those yeah. shoes weren't too big to fill, eh, Jer? No, no kidding, eh? Good luck. Here you go. Good luck. You're the shortstop after Ozzy Smith. And he wore number 11 in yeah, Wizard War 1, and you're like, good Lord. Try not to wear 11. Like, that was his number, though. Royce Clayton always wore 11. He went to the yeah. playoffs with them, but holy cow. Let's jump into our uh, realism review. What was realistic? <laughs> And what was unrealistic for you? Um, <clears throat> so I loved a uh, lot. There's lots of realism for me because this was such a real concept. Yeah. And a real thing that, you know, in movies, I I, I remember so well because I'm obviously, a, you know, diehard St. Louis Cardinal fan. 
The Oakland A's, though, are like personally, I have a soft spot for anything Oakland. Um, And the Oakland A's are, I have a soft spot for the Oakland A's. So I always love the team of Oakland. I loved, uh, I loved the concept of it. I love the Oakland Coliseum. Their stadium is amazing. There's something about it. And obviously, being a Raider fan, I like how it's in a rough area of town. That stadium, what it. No, it is not. That it's stadium, when it's packed, it rocks in there, and it's intimidating to come into. The fans are wild. Okay, it's and then <laughs> I love in that they they did a really good job of when the A's go on runs. If you ever watch an Oakland A's game, and I listeners, I dare you to watch an Oakland A's game. It's always sunny. Oakland A's games are always nice and bright and sunny, and they have great walk off celebrations. And the A's yeah. walk off celebrations are fantastic. Um, I thought the opening day feelings. Like that, remember the opening day scene? I thought that was a good one. Where's all the pomp and circumstance? Um, I thought the, uh, sorry, I had real uh, Billy working out on it because he's such a fitness fanatic, but at the same time, fake. Because I guarantee you the Oakland A's had a better gym than that. Yeah. And there's a lot of steroids that got done in that gym, boys <laughs> and girls. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you on that. <laughs> okay. Uh, using stats to help. Uh, Stuart Scott on ESPN, that was awesome to see. I forgot about that, that he was on there. Uh, I thought that was really neat to see. Um, I thought just the angry and the anger and the fighting. I thought Billy Bean being angry. Um, Another real thing I like is, and I've said this before to you guys, I like how Billy Bean and Jonah Hill's character, um, Peter, I love how they got Hatterberg because he's a baseball player. I think it gets lost in modern day times now where, I mean, Jamer, you see it in hockey, Web, you see it in basketball. Like, I play yeah, in hockey actually. left, I play <laughs> left wing. Or in baseball yeah. now, you'll meet a kid, he's like, I play right field. I'm like, you're seven, you don't play right field. You play any <laughs> position you want to play. Yeah. And yeah. I think yeah. that was pretty cool how they said, you know what, this guy's just a baseball player, and yeah. we can show him how to play first base through coaching. And that's where guys like Wash come into play. I think there's something lost on that in modern day times with all these specialty camps and things like that that people go to. And I mean, in our world of talk, it's also in, you know, in GTA and Toronto area, there's baseball camps and they go to this and they play this and do all that. Um, I think it's lost the art of just being a baseball player where you, you know, the best pitcher, the best story, the best player when you're a kid pitched and played shortstop and batted second. You know, we don't see and hear of that as much anymore. So I thought that was pretty cool. They just saw Hatterberg as a baseball player. He's not a washed up catcher. He could just go play first for us. I thought that was cool. Um, Anyway, I'll speed up. I thought the uh, real run up pitch counts, that is a thing that the good, all the good teams do. Any good team that makes the playoffs, they will run you up into a pitch count in no time. The Red Sox are masters at it. You'll be like the Red Sox and Yankees taking five hours to play four innings. But the Red Sox are brilliant at it because those Sox teams with like, especially with Veritech, Poppy, Manny, you'll be in the fifth inning, it'll be 0-0, but you're at 110 pitches and your tongue's hanging down to your feet. They're masters of it. And no big deal because those games never started until the sixth inning anyway. Um, Fake is that this is going to get, you can hate whatever you want to say. In the end, Moneyball doesn't work because eventually, my opinion, it's great. It's going to get you to the dance, but it's not going to put you over the hump because the algorithm changes once you get to the playoffs because now you're not facing starters four and five game. anymore. You're now facing quality starters all the time. So yeah. gone are the, uh, you know, the think of just your four and five starters on your team who are maybe bullpen long relief men at best. Now you're facing premium pitching all the time. So to me, the algorithm changes and your Scott Hatterberg's no longer facing 
those pitchers anymore. I thought that was something that kind of got overlooked. Jamer, you made a good point about the pitching staff of the A's. They were deep and had three studs. They had three Cy Young Award winners, and that doesn't get mentioned. Uh, Miggy playing shortstop. You had you know, two premium power hitters playing shortstop and third base, and they talk about them, but they don't really talk about them. Like Eric no. Chavez is one of my favorite baseball players of all time, and like they, they get more he, love he was, in the book, but not in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know he says Chavez and whatever, you know Eric this that, and you see some Tejada references, but you're kind of forgetting you're having three potential twenty win starters, and you know that side of your infield is essentially between them maybe fifty home runs or more. Lock it in, and you know, you know who else was on that team that they gets overshadowed. They mentioned him in passing in the movie, but Jermaine Dye was a right fielder. Mm. Jermaine Dye like was, was a stud, stud. right fielder. Yeah. And, and they also had Eric Burns. <clears throat> Eric Burns was really yeah. good. That like Ray Durham comes. Like, those guys are legit. <laughs> those are good, real yeah. good baseball players. Anyway, Webb, I went on a little long. So, sorry. Dude. No, you got, you got lost because I don't have a whole lot. I The thing that stood out to me, I don't care how poor you are, the paying for soda thing and the, <laughs> the, like, the craft <laughs> services area, it was so <laughs> over the top. I'm like, if you can afford a private jet to fly your team around on, you can afford to buy goddamn soda. I'm yeah. sorry. I love and, how he worked it into a trade. <laughs> yeah, like, it was just so over the top. Uh, the working out <laughs> thing I had too, JR, the the gym. Um, the other thing I had, I talked about it briefly, just the amount of, like, back and forth, back talk. I don't know how much that would go on with the manager basically like having the stones to really yip it at uh, Billy Bean the way he was. I don't know I if that does. I think yeah. that does happen. There's, there's lots I think of, it, I think it can, depending on how long they've been together. Like, I don't know if, and, and again, I don't know the history. I haven't read the book. Like, I don't know how long Billy Bean had been there compared to Art Howe and who hired who. Like, if, if, if Art Howe Billy been there since '96, and he was like a legend in the game. He won Manager of the Year. He'd been he'd been around the game for 50 so years. So was 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 and he's a lot older than Billy Bean too. Was but was Billy Bean the GM that hired him as the head coach or the I manager? Have to see when Billy started, I can yeah, check. I'm not that. sure. Yeah, but like but I just, I usually it's like it's one thing, right? If you're the GM and you're the you hire that guy and he's your guy that you've hired right from the get go, right? Versus right. coming into a situation where that guy was kind of thrust upon you um, as the new GM, it's it's. I just feel like it'd be a different case. He didn't hire him. He didn't. Yeah. So Billy became the GM in '98. Art Howe had already been there for two years, um, but prior to that, Billy Bean was like a scout in the organization. So yeah, he was so like he, a scout. Yeah, so he was he was probably aware of them but yeah, I don't know. It just it just seemed it didn't it just it still doesn't rub me rub me the right way. I don't know. It just the way it was portrayed and they could very well have been like best friends the next minute, right? It just right. the scenes that they chose to keep in the movie, that's what I'm going off of. Um other than that, I mean, the other thing that uh no, actually, I got nothing, James. Sorry, all, all over to you. I'm gonna let, I'm gonna defer my time on this one. Well, you guys uh, pretty much nailed it. Basically everything. I thought they did a really good job. I mean, they did a pretty good job of matching it up with the book. There's a few small things. One thing I did want to mention though, and it's kind of a nitpicky thing, but in the movie, they make it sound like they went, they had to go out there and find Chad Bradford and like, and also Jeremy Giambi. They talked about bringing Giambi in. I remember the scouts like, no. You remember they were like getting upset about yeah. bringing Giambi in? 
Giambi was already there. He'd already been in Oakland A for two seasons. He was on the 2001 team. And same with Chad Bradford. He was on the 2001 team as well. He was in their pen, and he had good numbers. Jeremy Giambi's the guy Jeter tagged out on the play, where Jeter yeah. ran in and that tagged in the, That's that Jeremy Giambi. Yeah. yeah, that was totally him. Yeah. So, like, they made it seem like they were going out to get them and, and bring them in to, like, help replace they were already there. Those guys were already. And Chad Bradford had a really good year in 2001. Like, he was a big part of their bullpen. So, and to that your point, just... Jer, sorry, and to your point, Jer, about the, you know, the Hatterbergs of the world not having success in the playoffs and everything else, it's those are the intangible pieces, right? And the whole reason it doesn't work is because at some point in time, talent is just going to take over. <laughs> Right, and the yeah. top players are getting the top dollars, and talent is just going to take over. We see it all the time in all professional sports. One thing they didn't really do in the movie, they kind of left it out of the movie, but it was actually kind of a big thing in the book, was when when they traded Giambi for John Mabry, Mabry came in and did not like any of this Moneyball stuff at all. Like He he was a vet guy. you know. He was with the Cardinals, I think, for Ex-Cardinal. a while. Too, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. Ex-Cardinal. Yeah, he had a good bat. He could he could hit. Um, but when he came in, they wanted him to take pitches, all like take get get down into like two two strike counts and stuff. And Mabry was like a first ball hitter. He like he liked jumping on you know first pitch fastballs and stuff. So basically, he he told Billy to fuck off and just did his own thing. So they in the book they talk about the battles between Mabry and. And uh, Billy Bean, and there was all there was constantly a like a headbutting there going on. So I think maybe they replaced some of that with uh, art, some of Art Howe's depiction in the movie. But that was just one thing I wanted to mention as well. Hmm. Uh, let's jump into the soundtrack. So the music was composed by Oscar-winning uh, Canadian composer Michael Dana. Dana won an Oscar for Best Original Score for Life of Pi. Hmm. What did you guys think of the soundtrack? I mean, there wasn't really a ton of stuff. I, I'll be really brief. Uh, it was fine. Um, saw a little locker room music. Maybe Jambi was dancing. I don't have a whole lot. Well, I'm not going to lie. Not much for me on this one. No, there was like in the stadium, there was some like journey and, you know, yeah. some classics that way. Yeah. Anytime I like you can, the anytime. where they were walking opening day. That was a cool like yeah. scene, the opening day one. It just yeah. made me, it made me miss our trips to Toronto. And I'm like, ah. Well, it should be us when, right now. When JR was talking about the pomp and circumstance of opening day, all I could think of back was of that game that we went to, whatever that was, like four or five years ago now. And it yeah. was was it the Roy Halliday game that they had honored? Yeah, Roy Halliday. And and it was remember like the opening ceremonies and everything else was like a good two hours long. Like the game itself was supposed to start at like seven and it didn't end up like going till nine or something yeah. crazy. I just remember it being so long. Uh, but yeah, and we were pretty pinned by that point. So oh, yeah. <laughs> it was packed house that day too. It was Dustin great, McGowan yeah. started for the Jays. Yeah, that's McGowan, right. that. and it was Hashiro Tanaka for the Yankees. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I, I, the soundtrack itself. I mean, yeah, it, it was fine. There was a yeah. one couple tracks on there, and I'd have to do some deeper diving just from what I found on the internet. It doesn't really say, but. Um, you got one of my favorite movie soundtracks is uh, the Friday Night Lights soundtrack, and it's by this, and it's scored mostly by this band called Explosions in the Sky. And all they do is play instrumental stuff, um, but they're this, the the ta- the sound is very uh, unique, and the sound is very uh, distinctive. 
And there's a couple scenes in this movie where I, I wrote down in my notes, explosions in the skies, question mark, because I want to see if they're like kind of featured on this soundtrack somewhere because somewhere. it sounded very distinctly like them, like the scenes where he's um, in his driving, car. driving in the, in the, in the car and he's doing the donuts and things like that. Like there mm-hmm. were some very distinct sounds. And then I thought the, the add in piece of the daughter song was really well done too. That was nice. That's Ray Donovan's yeah. daughter. eh? Yeah. <laughs> Ray Don. Ray Don. Um, all right, let's, let's get into our wrap up. What are, what are our, where do you guys have this movie ranked among baseball movies? Where do you have it all-time sports movies? I'd say the baseball movies. Um, I really enjoy the acting in this movie, so I'm going to put it in the top probably seven of baseball movies for sure. Yeah. Um, right off the top of my head, because the acting's so good. The Moneyball story in Oakland and the soft spot I have for Oakland, anything is right up there for me. Um, all time, I'm going to put it in the top 30 somewhere. I, I just like it. I, yep. I, I love Oakland Athletics baseball and Brad Pitt acting. And like you said, the nuances of him always eating. Philip Seymour Hoffman, RIP, you don't see him. I mean, you don't get to see him anymore. So it's just to see him again in roles. And we, Jamer and I were talking before we started of all the good roles that he's played. It's nice to see him, get to see him again. Um, Along with so, yeah. Paul, he's my favorite. Oh, oh yeah. Because <laughs> he's sharded. <laughs> that's where i have all that so that's where i'm at on this one good great movie i love it yeah i'm gonna go baseball i'm gonna go eight all time it's outside my top 50 i'm gonna put it in the like maybe i'm i you know what i might put it in my top 70 range top 75 range i enjoy it enough i don't love it um, I was saying to Jr. before, the, at the end of the day, he doesn't win. Like he doesn't win anything, and he, I think he gets too much credit and too much, uh, too much hype, and, and it, it annoys me that he doesn't take the job with the Red Sox. Like here you are bitching about all the stuff about how you could get unfair you could game, do this unfair game, blah blah blah. Go friggin' take the job with the Red Sox and shut up. No, like, I like whining. that. I, I do. Like I do too because yeah, I, like I like that, that. But I also don't want to hear you whine about it. That's a choice you made. <laughs> yeah. So it like, sucks so that they won the World Series two years later. Yeah. yeah. Like there's a scene Tough where he's talking, like where Peter's talking about how you know, oh, I, it's actually really good that you cut Johnny Damon. I'm like Johnny Damon ended up winning the World Series like next year, the year after that with the Red Sox. And he built their culture. He yeah. Johnny Damon yeah. built that culture and yeah. Boston. Like, did he not hit a grand slam against the yes, in game like seven? Or something? Like, home runs the Red <laughs> he had a huge beard too. The yeah, beard, and the huge he looked beard. like Jesus out there. And he got more tail in Southie than anybody that I know. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> Julian <laughs> Edelman. I don't know. Um, <laughs> they were just a bunch of idiots. I, was, I love that Red Sox culture. That you're just a bunch yeah. of idiots. It was amazing. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I the movie is really long. Like yes. it's it's yeah. about forty five minutes too long. Uh, so that, that I can't go any higher than, like I said, in maybe in my top 75, it wasn't one. I'll be quite honest. When the poll results came in, I wasn't overly excited about it. Let's put it that way. You wanted rad. You were just, I wanted cool runnings. (laughs) Throw us for a loop. I love cool runnings. Love me some John Candy. (laughs) I've got this one. Number five on my all time baseball movies and number 45 all time. Um, and all the stuff you guys mentioned, uh, I, I, there's so many scenes, Web, where, like those Kansas, that game, they were profiled like literally like 15 minutes of that Kansas City Royals game, and it's yeah. like, why? 
We didn't like that wasn't really that important. Like they could they don't win anything, and so they have to make the street game the most important part of the movie. It's the lamest thing ever. They could have easily just done a a scene there where he comes in and they make a couple errors and he leaves and that's it, just to show that he's got that you know superstition or whatever, right? Mm. Um, But the Mike Sweeney reference is kind of they show him hitting a ding dong. I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, Mike Sweeney, he was a stud back in the day. He could hit. Really hit. Yeah. What I wanted to know was was that footage of Euclid? Was that fake guy? Or was that him? That was actually him. He was I know he was a bigger dude, but he was pretty round in that picture or in that video. Same and the same thing. uh, the footage of Jeremy Brown, the guy that hits the home run but doesn't know it and falls. Yeah. That was legit too. Oh, cool. (laughs) Um so let's uh let's jump into our draft. So this week we decided to go with a draft that kind of ties into, you know, Moneyball, nerds and sports and stuff. So our, our draft this week is nerdiest athletes in sports history. I can't remember who's got number one pick this week. I think that's me this week. I yeah. believe it's JR. Yeah. I think I have first overall pick this week, boys. And this is, I mean, there's lots of geeks out there who end up being fantastic athletes. But I'm going to go with one. I'm going to stick in baseball. Right. Okay, I'm going to pick a pitcher who I don't think he walked a whole lot of guys. He's from Las Vegas, Nevada. He wore glasses. Um, he didn't wear them when he pitched, but he threw a ton of strikes, played for the Chicago Cubs, Atlanta Braves. He was dominant throughout his career. He is literally one nice. of the biggest nerdy little guys that will go out there, and he will dust you in two seconds. So Brett Cecil and his flip-flops? It's not Brett Cecil, believe it or not. <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, Greg Maddox. Yeah. the long ball, baby. He's from the, yeah. the Chicksting the long ball commercial. That commercial was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it was really good. He's such a nerd. I love him. That's good. And that, that what that uh, ad he does on the YouTube professor. with Chris Bryant. The professor. Yeah, Vic is professor. That thing we does with Chris Bryant, where he comes in from the and throws BP to Chris Bryant, amazing. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Oh yeah, so funny. I think I. I think I you're have two, James. Week. Yeah. Two. Okay. I'm gonna stick with baseball too, and I'm gonna pick this. Uh, this guy was a, a longtime former MLB reliever who attended Princeton. And he actually wrote his thesis on sabermetrics. So he's got to tie into what we did with this movie. So, uh, And he even interned one off-season for the Department of Agriculture in Washington, tracking the migration of cattle diseases. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm talking about uh, Ross Ollendorf. Do you remember Ross Ollendorf? I did some reading. He came across <laughs> my list. Yeah, I remember him. Pitch <laughs> for the... Uh, um, he he pitched for for Washington, and I think I think he might have pitched for the Padres as well. But I remember him as a reliever. He's a decent reliever. Nice. All right, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go the hardwood, obviously, uh, and I'm gonna go with the NBA equivalent to Moneyball and kind of where the analytics movement started in basketball. I'm going with the Houston Rockets. I'm going with. Shane Battier with my oh. number one pick Ooh, uh, because back. because he was all the intangibles. Daryl Morey essentially built the Houston Rockets off of of, of Shane Battier. Yeah. Uh, if you listen to JJ Redick, who we give a shout out to for this whole idea almost all the time, talk about who Mike Shashevsky loves the most of any Duke player. It's always it's always Shane Battier. So uh, I'm going with Shane Battier as my my number one nerd, uh, and then coming back. Uh, ooh, it's a tough one. 
I went kind of a different route than you guys. I went with guys who were like really, really academically smart. So I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go a little bit old school on this one. I'm going to go with somebody who is arguably maybe one of the, if not the most well-known famous goalies of all time in the NHL. Uh, I think he's a New York Times bestselling author. He's a member of parliament in Canada. Oh, Uh, great pick. And he might be the Habs best goalie of all time. I'll I'll throw him and Patrick Waugh in the mix. Waugh's pretty freaking good, too. Uh, I'm going with Ken Dryden. Number two. It's a good pick. Uh, I'm going to go over to the hard court for my next pick. Um, There were two nerds on this team, and I'm going to pick this one. He's also a (laughs) Hall of Famer. But I'm, this guy is a huge Dungeons and Dragons fan, and he's been, known, he's been known to uh, attend a lot of Renaissance fairs and dress up in all the garb and stuff like that. And That's he even amazing. has a tattoo of Merlin the Magician. I'm talking about Tim Duncan, the most boring superstar <laughs> in the history of any sport. The big fundamental. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. All right, on to me. Um, <laughs> that's a good pick. Okay. So I'm going to go actually uh, into the MMA world, my next pick. Uh, She was a dominant, I mean, bantamweight champion for a really long time. She made her name into the WWE after that, and she dressed like Roddy Piper. Uh, I'm going to go with a Pokemon-loving Ronda Rousey. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Ronda Rousey loves Pokemon. I researched uh, I would did not know that off the top of my head. I was like, I gotta I gotta dip into it. So I'm going with her. And then my last pick. This one's tough. I think I'm gonna pick him. He's literally maybe one of the best defensemen in hockey who's ever lived. Uh he's won every possible major hockey oh. tournament or hockey championship you can ever imagine. Yeah. He's unbelievable. He's not a wimp by any means. He's fit. He does everything right. He's making, I don't know, 8 to $10 million a year. Everyone else drives Corvettes, Range Rovers, whatever. This guy drives a Prius. Scott Niedermeyer is, yeah. has to be one of the nerdiest guys of he's, all he's, time. He's the hockey equivalent of Greg Maddox to me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, a nice round, that's a nice rounding off pick, JR. <laughs> that Thank is you. good pick. I had to throw him in there. This is a really good pick. Um, I guess I'm back again, eh? Yeah. Well, I think I got to go with this guy. Um, his Stanford teammates used to call him Urkel. And anytime <laughs> he's ever been in an interview, he just looks like such a nerd. Tiger Woods. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. I was going to say, honorable mention might have been Bryson. He's pretty nerdy with all his stuff oh, that yeah. he's into. But he all right, is. I'm going to go with, I think, because we have to go with the uh, stereotypical land slash home of the nerds. We're going. Uh, we're going to Harvard. I'm going to go with. Uh, this is a tough one because you got a toss up here. I could have gone with either or, but I'm going to go with uh, the guy who's played for pretty much every NFL yes. franchise at this Great point. Pick. I think yes. I got to go. Yeah. I think I got to go with <laughs> Fifth Magic on this one. Smart as hell. Pick. Went to Harvard. He's managing <laughs> doing all right. Lynn Sanity, honorable mention, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, I thought I you were going with Lynn Sandy on that. No, on I figured I better switch it up. I went basketball first pick. I better switch it up this time around. <laughs> Fitzmagic's a great pick. I got to give a shout out to the Admiral. His nerdiness oh. is well known. Oh Dave yeah, Robinson. Um, and uh, R. A. Dickey. Oh, anybody who models their start their pitch after a knuckleball, like come on, 
Yeah. You're, you're king of the nerds. And, what about uh, J- Jason he, Spezza? Oh, oh yeah. Come on. Yeah. That guy's a nerd. What about, uh, uh, can we go with Captain Turtleneck just because? Thomas Mechanic. Or Plekinic. I forgot about him, the turtleneck. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, uh, you know who else was a nerd? Uh, U.S. women's soccer goalie Hope Solo. Oh, Hope Solo. Yeah. Obsessed with Harry Potter. Uh, oh, did you guys see the one I was reading? JaVale McGee is really big into making like Toy Story movies on like YouTube. Apparently, with like yeah. action figurines. No, no way. <laughs> like stop, stop, uh, stop motion. Animation. Not even stop, stop motion. motion. Just like literally, like we'll take his hands and go like this. Like it's not even stop motion. <laughs> oh I, boy, I love JaVale McGee. He's he's one of my all times. He I may love be it. the leading uh, star of Shacking the Fool. I don't know if there's anybody on that show more than him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he, he takes care of it. Yeah. Honorable right. mention. I also had George Peros. Yeah, dude went to Princeton. Yeah, I played against him. Like he went from tough guy to now he's what the head of the discipline committee or whatever in the yeah. NHL. Well, they Princeton had him, and they also had. Uh, um, sorry, they were two brothers, but uh, the one guy, Kevin Westgarth, who played in the NHL for quite a while. They had those uh, two fighters on their team. Yeah, there was oh, one. Time it, was, it was funny. We were playing them one time. Uh, at the Hobie Baker Arena, where Princeton plays out of, and I was I was playing like left defense or whatever, and there's a a rebound like a scrum in front of the net, and the and the goalie was down, but the puck squirted out, so I booked it in from the point, and the goalie was like turning over to reaching over to cover it, so I just like dove and like speared the puck and the goalie into the net, and then the net came off and everything like that, and I remember I was laying on my back on the ground. And Westgarth grabbed me right in the, grabbed me by the jersey and literally picked me off the ice and like held me up in the air like this face to face. And he's like, Don't ever fucking do that again. And I was like, I won't, I won't. <laughs> that guy was tough. That guy was oh, no yeah. joke. He's uh he's married to uh he married Bill Cower's daughter. Oh, oh that's that guy. Yeah, that's a tough family. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine that going, going home to meet Bill Cower? <laughs> Bill Cower, yeah, the king of speaking moistly. Imagine yeah. that guy, like that's guy, that guy drives the bus for Team Moistly. Just spreading the COVID. Oh, right. everywhere. Oh, wow. All right, tell them where to hit us up, Web. All right, thanks everybody for listening, engaging with us on social. Don't forget to give us a follow uh, on uh, Instagram at Big League Flicks Pod. On Twitter at Big League Flicks. You can also check us out on YouTube and on TikTok. And if you like what you're hearing, don't forget to uh, like, uh, uh, like, and leave us a review. And uh, don't forget to subscribe. Cheers! Thanks, everybody. Cheers. Take care, everybody. Sports and the glitz and the glamour Got a cold beer pairing for the leading lady staring Fun facts and trivia and man rocket comparing Soundtracks and music, they'll rate all these things Was it real or did they lose us as the fat lady sings? Talking junk, have a giggle, comedy, drama, romance Did the film deliver six to noon in my pants With their big bag of tricks, these podcast critics Jordan Christian and Jammer with Big League Flicks Jordan Christian and Jammer with Big League Flicks Jordan Christian and Jammer with Big League